Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. In the last few years, the numbers of people producing gin, whiskey, cider and craft beer have mushroomed across the country. But while you might not think we have the climate for it, we also make some wine. For the last 10 years, David Lavellan has been producing his Luska wine in North County, Dublin. Afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Sean. A lot of people listening might wonder, how the hell could you even grow grapes in Ireland that would be... uh, turned into wine. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, not surprisingly, it is a a challenge. Uh, There's no problem growing the actual vines here in this country. Um, The problem is actually getting them to flower and grow grapes and ripen the grapes. So that's where the... The, the you know the that's where you've got to start doing things carefully. Right? Are they covered? Well, I have a combination of ones that are covered and ones that are entirely in the open. Like I'm growing lots of different varieties, and I've been experimenting over the years, and um, I'm making red wine and sparkling wine from a combination of both the covered and the uncovered ones. Right. Okay. Yeah. And are there particular varieties of like would they be hardier grapes yeah. that you can actually grow in? To grow in them Irish entirely, climate? yeah, to grow them in the open entirely without any protection or cover. There's a very small choice that of varieties that really have any chance at all. You know, you you could count them on nearly one hand <laughs> the number of varieties that will that will actually reliably reasonably reliably, not even very reliably, ripen the grapes mm. in the open each year. Okay, because I suppose you'd have to, uh, frost wouldn't be your friend or anything like uh, that. Actually, frost isn't really the problem. It's is just it not, it's no. just our feckin' cold summers. <laughs> uh, cool, wet summers is what they don't like. The frost, okay, yeah, in the winter they're hardy. Like, you know, the vines mm. grow in, in, in Central Europe where it's way colder than what we have in the winter. Frost is a problem. Uh, when the grapes start growing in the springtime in say May, uh, April when the buds are coming out and again before uh, in the autumn while the the leaves are still on the vines when the the weather starts getting colder if you're in a frosty part of the country uh, it doesn't work and and I've seen vines growing even vineyards planted in the likes in inland areas in Ireland where they just get hit by frost every year Mm. Um, uh, that's the spring frost or the autumn frost Yeah and Um, the soil around Lusk is how how does that contribute Well, the soil the soil around Lusk is fantastic you can grow anything there. You know they grow uh, <laughs> uh, cabbages and potatoes and fruits and vegetables and uh, uh, I've an orchard grown cherries, apples, pears, and everything. And really, the soil is the soil is not such a critical factor for growing grapes. Really, it's it's certainly in our part of the world the, the, the climate or the microclimate is what really counts. Right. Okay. And so it, it, there is a microclimate around North County Dublin. Well, that... it's it's if you look at the whole map of Ireland. That area in in County Dublin generally, not not just necessarily around where I am, it's actually surprisingly good. You know, if you look at the meteorological, uh, the the critical factors of warmth, sunshine, uh, rainfall, uh, like we're in the driest part of the country, we've pretty much as much sunshine as they have in Wexford. Um, we've relatively low wind, um, and uh, and the temperatures are good in the summer, relatively good. So, if you're picking. You know, choosing locations within Ireland. I'm not in a in a in a. I'm I'm in. I didn't choose where I am. I didn't pick out the point on the map. That's the best place to grow vines in Ireland, right? If I if I did, maybe I would have chosen it somewhere a little bit different. But where I am is not bad. Yeah, and so the, so the red wine now is that a blend? Are you using using different grapes from the indoor produce and the outdoor? I ones? actually make two reds at the moment, and right. one of them is from the indoor ones, which are 
classics like Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot uh, and, uh, and a few others and they, they don't have a hope of ripening without some kind of protection or cover. Mm. And then my second red is actually entirely in the open. It's a grape called Rondo um, which they grow in Denmark and uh, England and places like that. Uh, and it, it's it's a, it's surprising now. You If you tasted the wine you would not believe it's an Irish wine. An Irish red wine let alone an Irish wine at all, you know. Mm. It's, 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 it's surprisingly good at uh, ripening in Ireland in the right location. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so so the, the sparkling wine then, what, what's that made Sparkling from? wine, I'm using um, Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, a bit of Shiraz. Um, I'm, I'm actually using now most of the grapes that I used to use for red wine. Uh, in the last four years, I started making sparkling from them instead because I, I tried the sparkling in 2018 for the first time and I couldn't believe how good it was and the reaction I was getting from people. And I said, geez, uh, I should have been doing this years ago. Uh, so I'm going to use all my grapes now for sparkling that I used to use make, make into a red wine. Yeah, and yeah. So every year, how, how many bottles? Bottles are you producing? Uh, it, it might sound a lot if I say the bottles, but it's actually tiny. Yeah. Uh, if you talk in cases, which is ridiculously tiny, we're talking about 150 cases mm. a year, give or take. You know, <clears throat> and and in 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 winery or vineyard terms, that's like micro boutique or you know something like that. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of work and a lot of input for a relatively small amount of wine. Yeah. Where do you sell them? Uh, mostly through wine shops. There's about a dozen of about a dozen um, customers, mostly around Dublin, but some further flung down in uh, uh, Terroir in Donnybrook, uh, Celtic Whiskey Shop, uh, Mitchell's Wine, and 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 um, a number of other ones around the country. And obviously, people can buy it directly from me um, if they contact me. But most of it actually goes through wine shops. Yeah, and and when you started though, <laughs> did and and you know you had produced your first batch of wine. Yeah. Were people going to get out of your mind, man? Yeah, yeah, mostly, yeah, of course, yeah. Well, people who knew me, I suppose, weren't surprised because I, you know, I've, I've, I, I tend to kind of um, be a little bit kind of uh, outside the box. Right, in, okay. In a lot yeah. of things I do. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. and but was it a hard sell, though, to, to try and get people to even taste it and, and consider it? Uh, yeah, well, well, of course, remember that the, the amount I had in my first vintage, let's say, was very small. Mm. You know, I really, I think I only had 100 bottles or something like that from the very first crop. So it was <clears throat> it was really just kind of giving people tastes of it and uh, chancing my arm, selling it, kind of figuring out what I need to sell it for and saying, OK, well, that's it there. Uh, if you want to buy it, that's, that's what you have to pay for it. And I was just surprised at the reaction, you know. And, mm. and actually, um, I, I have a little, you know, that, 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 gadget that you can take the wine out of the bottle of the caravan. Yes, yeah. You know, you can yeah. see the needle so through the you cork. only have to drink the one glass. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, for me, it's a great thing. It's not, I got it, I got it for, uh, a few years ago and <clears throat> it means I can actually extract a little taste from a bottle without opening the bottle. And I, and what I do now is anybody who comes to me and wants to buy, buy a bottle, I give them a taste. Mm. Um, or let's say if I'm if I'm at a market or somewhere where, or at an event where, where I'm trying to, you know, uh, talk to people and promote, promote, uh, encourage people to buy it, I, I give people, it's the best way to taste it. You know, before they're buying a pig and a poke and they don't know what they're getting, they're shelling out their good money for a bottle they're going to take home and they don't even know or they're going to be able to drink it. Whereas um, I found that, and this is kind of really reassuring as well for me, obviously, when I find that the best way to, for people to buy it is actually taste it. And they say, wow, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the weekend about, you know, drinking too much. And uh, he says, oh, uh, I got one of those caravan things. Oh, yeah. And uh, I said, great. Uh, how does yeah. it work? He says, I don't know. I haven't taken it out of the box yet. So it was, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. the intention behind it was good. Yeah. The, have you changed then the, the, the blending of the wine or how you're making it over the years? Uh, I have. Um, I started off making white wine and red wine and growing a lot of different varieties. And over the years, uh, I started whittling out just varieties that, that that, that weren't performing well, that weren't cropping well, um, that got more disease or whatever. I started whittling out and, and at the same time planting extra experimental ones that were coming on the scene. And I also, I stopped making white wine um, because uh, actually white is harder to make on a tiny scale. You know, mm. a red wine is a more, it's a more robust type of wine and the, the the process is easier to actually achieve a good result on a small scale you know even on a hobby scale and um and as as we said earlier there you know I I've I've just recently started making sparkling wine so and also um, about when was it now? Was it 2014? Are these red sparkling wines you're making? No, it's, it's actually a rosé. Oh right, okay. It's, it's, it's yeah. a blanc de noir technically, yeah. you know, um, but but it has a little blush colour. It's a beautiful colour, beautiful looking wine. Um, if we had time now, we could drink some, but we don't. We'll <laughs> <laughs> let you taste it. Uh, but uh, um, the other thing is, I, I started using oak barrels to age the wine in about um, say eight years ago for the mm. first time, um, and that adds. Extra kind of dimension and quality to the wine, and it's it's interesting. Oh right, so how how so the the wine say the red wines are bringing out this year? How old are they? Oh well, actually, the wine I'm selling at the moment, the wine that's in the shops and the shelves, is 2017. Right. Okay, so I don't yeah. sell the wine. I mature mm. it and I age it in barrels for a couple of years. And uh, and I, what I found actually, and and it's interesting. You can only you can only know this in hindsight. Obviously, how long your wine is going to last and how what kind of a life it has. Uh, you, it's very hard to predict, or I can't predict it by tasting it. But when I dip into a wine that I made, let's say eight years ago or ten years ago, it's only then that I can see how that has borne uh, up with with yeah. age. And um, and I found that the wine seems to improve. For it has, seems to have quite a a decent lifespan, you know, and it's improving for five or six years and stays good, I think, for another few years, you know. Like I've I bought a two thousand thirteen that I opened there recently, and to me, it was it's better than any time I tasted it before, you know. Yeah. Surprisingly, so so yeah, I'm selling wine uh, four or five years at the moment, uh, uh, two thousand eighteen and two thousand seventeen, um, and when that's gone, I'll be selling the next vintage. Yeah, yeah. And are you still the only one doing <clears throat> this? Um, well. I'm uh, yes and no. Um, to, to my knowledge, um, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the only one who has wine actually out, say, on the market that you can buy from reputable mm. wine shops and that. Um, now there are other. I know I'm aware of let of probably half a dozen other vineyards that have been planted in recent years. Um, and uh, they seem to like to keep themselves quiet on, uh, for the moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> they hope for, yeah. for the best, and maybe they're wait, wait till see what comes out of it before they they look for publicity. Um, uh, so, so there will be. I think there's going to be a couple of wines coming on stream uh, um, in the next couple of years, surely. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there's, there's there's a fellow down in Waterford who's starting to release some, I think now. But apart from that. Uh, there's, there's, there's really nothing out there uh, that, that you can go out to a shop and buy as far as I know yeah and yeah. Uh, the name of that wine is Luska is that how you pronounce it yeah right? Luska it's just yeah. Irish for Lusk it's yeah. simple it's an, it's a, it's easy to remember it's a, uh, that's what I call the wine yeah. yeah and the man behind it is David Lavelle and David thank you very much thank you Sean Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.